0: Hey, everybody. This is TJ with Mid-Century Homes back again for our third podcast. And we have selected a handful of folks that are attached to the world of mid-century interior design, architecture, and lifestyle that we think that you would be interested in hearing from. And so on today's call, we have Della Hansman, who has uh, formed a ranch revival movement in her hometown has recently uh, conducted a new event in her library, public library, where she attracted 80 folks to learn about the process that she's gone through renovating her own mid-century home. Um, Her official title is that she is an architect specializing in mid-century design, and she is a millennial first-time homeowner of a mid-century ranch. Hey, Della, thanks for joining us on the call. Hi there. Nice to be here. Awesome. Well, yeah, we, uh, we've we spent a little bit of time kind of going back and forth and learning about each other's businesses, and I thought it would be a good idea to put you on the call and help our audience learn as much as they can from your own experience and to learn a little bit about yourself. So the very first question I have for you is, who are you?
1: Well, you gave me such a great introduction, but uh, I am an architect, and I focus now exclusively on mid-century design, but uh, I became an Interested in architecture when I was a junior studying abroad. And I traveled around the world. I was in five countries in England, India, New Zealand, the Philippines, and Mexico. Everywhere I went, we stayed in homestays. And I was blown away by how perfectly people's homes seemed to fit their lives, their culture, their family, their environment. And I just didn't see that at home in the U.S. I felt like this sort of um, suburban development I'd grown up in, was tilted toward the McMansion, and I felt like Americans were just being sold a bill of goods: bigger, 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 as the only kind of better. So I came back and went to college, went uh, went to graduate school, studied architecture, and I've spent the last ten years working for firms across the Midwest. A super green builder focused outside of La Crosse. Our office was actually a log cabin, heated by a wood stove, although we had uh, Wi-Fi and PV powered electricity where we built uh, timber frames with straw bale walls and sod roofs. And then I worked in Chicago for a high-end boutique firm that specialized in renovating historic buildings.
0: Gotcha. But, um,
1: now I've sort of come back around, and I'm looking at a very modest form of housing, the Builder Basic Ranch that people live in all over the Midwest and all over the country.
0: Yeah, and where is yours located? Where do you live?
1: I live in Madison, Wisconsin. It's right in the heart of Frank Lloyd Wright territory. Awesome. Um, And sort of, you know, it's not quite the middle of the country because geographically that's more over towards Nebraska, but it feels sort of like very heartland central.
0: What's your favorite thing about Madison, Wisconsin?
1: It's a nice size of town. I think we're about 200,000 people. Um... And it feels like you can get from one side of town to another, you can know who your local politicians are, it's very neighborhoody, and then you can get out of town and get into the countryside to go hiking or boating or whatnot very easily. So. Awesome. Coming from Chicago, it feels like, I love that urban dynamism, but um, this is more connected to more different scopes of life.
0: Yeah, and so how, long like have, how long have you lived there?
1: I moved back to Madison two years ago. Okay. So I was working in Chicago. And then I decided it was time. My family's all around here. I decided I wanted to come back to Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, I thought I would just take a year off from working in firms, do some freelancing, and give myself a little sabbatical to remodel a house. And I bought this 1952 ranch that I currently live in. And that rumbling noise is my adorable, troublesome rescue dog who's playing with a wobble toy because she's nervous that i <laughs> on taxi. I'm going to take that away from you.
0: And what kind of dog is this?
1: She's a mix. Um, Her most visually dominant part is actually a Doberman, which when I got her, I was told she was nearly full grown and she was just this skinny little black and brown pup, um, but she then put on 20 pounds, and her chest deepened out, and she's, now she's got a Doberman bark, so
0: I've got this like aggressive guard dog, but actually she's a cream puff. She's yeah. afraid of little terriers that bark at her. That's hilarious. So, right, so She's
1: been bribed with peanut butter, so now she'll be quiet.
0: Perfect. So um, tell us a little bit about the last couple years of your life, and, and what you've spent the majority of your time on over that period of time.
1: Right. Well, I had this complete turnaround, so I thought I was going to take some time off and do a remodel project. I bought a 1952 ranch partly for the same reason I've picked every place I've lived since college. It's two blocks from the library. Um, it's a you know, it's a wonderful little house. It's so practical. It's the right size. It's easy for me to think about working on it, and I just I've always liked the mid century period. But. My first move was to go over to the library and say, I'm going to check out all the books on how to remodel a ranch house. And I typed ranch house into the search string, and I came up with, like, two books. (laughs) And then I looked for mid-century, and I found about four more. And everything I found was either 20 years out of date or set in California. Mm -hmm. And I just felt really frustrated. So I started... To talk to people about it. I started a blog. I'm an architect, so I felt like I have the expertise. I just wanted to know what other people were advising, and it turns out people are advising you to do nothing with a non-architect-level mid-century ranch. They're just not talking about it. So yeah. I wanted to put some information out there. I did historical research. I walk around my own neighborhood and sort of photo document it. I started an Instagram account, which I figured would be for me, you know, I'm going to take pictures and I'm going to put them on Instagram because I'm a millennial. But I actually found that there's a lot of people that really respond to that. That's actually how you and I connected.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I found a community of mid-century enthusiasts that lives online and sort of, I think, often finds that they feel like they're alone until they get online and they realize... There are all these other people out there totally. who care. And yeah. then they're not even just hypothetical people all around in the world. There are other Madisonians that um, I'll get messages. I'll put up a picture of a house I love and say, you know, isn't this a great roofline? line? Or don't you love this landscaping? And people will message me and say, oh, that house is on my grandmother's block. Or I walk my dog past that house. I've always loved it. And so it's just so much fun to find this sense of community.
0: Totally. Anyway, yeah.
1: So I've been building this up and now I am actually specializing my whole design business towards mid-century architecture so I really live and breathe it I'm both renovating my own home in my free time I guess now Yeah, yeah and also I'm thinking about design all day every day in front of my computer
0: totally and and I'm curious this transition that you decided to jump headlong into how long did you take what was your process that you went through from a timeline standpoint to decide that okay I'm gonna do this
1: it's it's been very gradual. I feel like I've just been like slowly turning a big vote uh, around. You know, it's, it was not a right-angle turn, but I started working on the House and I started talking to people about the house, and then I started a blog about what I was doing and the sort of historical background of why. And then I actually went to a writers' conference that's located here in Madison, but it's regional, and pitched the concept of this as a book. And got a lot of amazing feedback from agents saying, like, yes, I think that that could be a book. But first, uh, you need to prove to an agent and then a publisher that other people would care about this. So what's your social media presence? And I thought, I, I don't have one. So then I started <laughs> an
0: Instagram account,
1: and I found that there there is an interest. There are all these other people that care. So it's just been kind of going along. And then it was really, I think, only in December or January that I decided, I'm nowhere on the road towards putting a pin in this and going back to work for another firm to do generalized residential design. Yeah. No, this is going to be what I do now. This is my focus. This is a business. So it's, yeah, it's been sort of like baby step process to, I now feel like I'm kind of at an end point of decision, but I'm sure I'm actually just going to continue on this journey of getting more and more crazed about mid century and finding more and more people who share that craziness with me.
0: Totally. And I'm curious also, um, Would you have called yourself a mid-century enthusiast three years ago, four years ago? No. Okay. I
1: wouldn't. Um, Which is funny because I probably should have, but I wouldn't have. I I mean, I'm I'm sitting here at my desk looking at my living room furniture, which is um, hand-me-downs from my mother that she got from a, a Scandinavian import store in the 1960s that she worked at. I've had this furniture since I moved out of home. I love it. I prize it. I think of it as, like, antique vintage, even though it's, you know, just what was not wanted in the family at the time. And that's always been true. Um, I loved my grandparents' house growing up. It was a 1955 ranch in Racine, Wisconsin. And I thought it was stylish and trendy, and I loved that they had, they really really living in a time bubble. Like, they had never updated. They had to replace their carpet in... The early 2000s, and they went out and found Cinnabar shag carpet. I think it was the only place in Wisconsin that sold it. Yeah. Um, and they got that two inch shag. My grandmother wore heels every day and she would trip on it. I don't know what she was thinking, but they loved it. And I love the time capsule nature of it. But I still, I think as a designer, it wasn't the trendy thing that it was now. And I didn't have a name to put on it. Yeah. I think. I was sort of unaware of how to encapsulate all of the things I liked about it until I started looking at it straight on.
0: Totally. And then it
1: felt like everything came in. Yeah. To why I love its um, right-sizedness and the flow between interior and exterior spaces and the emphasis on handmade quality, even in a builder great house. These are all things that are wonderful about mid-century homes. Right. But I wouldn't have been able to to label myself that
0: way. Yeah. We, we follow a similar format, um, you know, four or five years ago. My wife and I would not have called ourselves mid-century enthusiasts either. But if we look back on the events of our lives and things that we have leaned towards, I think it's just because we didn't have the language or the understanding or the terminology to really identify what that was and what it meant um, until we, you know, probably picked up a copy of Atomic Ranch magazine um, Which and, is so inspirational. Yeah, and uh, and then just you know keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. You know, a little while later we go, oh my gosh, I think we're totally into this. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and it's funny too because I think I was open to the idea, but wouldn't have called myself that. As right. As opposed to, I have now converted my whole family.
0: My sister's <laughs> apartment
1: is entirely furnished in mid-century modern. She has a bigger budget than I do, so yeah. it's really lovely stuff mm-hmm. that I help her choose and then mildly envy. And my parents have really come around. Although when I bought this house, they thought I was nuts. Yeah. They walked into it. I walked into it and said, oh, this is like my grandparents' house. I love it. And they walked into it and said, this is like your grandparents' house. Why?
0: Exactly. (laughs) I I have now been
1: able to articulate to them and I think they've really come around on it. But I think a lot of people take the sort of... uh, less appreciated qualities of mid-century design as just, like, the air. It's around us, it's basic, it's average, whereas I think... and And that can be true, you know, when it's not maintained properly and when you're not featuring the sort of best parts of it, it can seem like, oh, that's just baseline. Totally. But if you do pay attention to the details and if you heighten some of the sort of design ideas behind mid-century you can find something to adore in even the most sort of contractor basic house from the 50s and 60s yeah
0: absolutely totally agree yeah and and we've also found this process to be true in our real estate company as we've led home tours and you know the other other event-based documentary showings and things you know we'll ask people are you mid-century enthusiasts and every now and again we'll catch somebody that says you know, I'm not really sure, but I might be becoming one. <laughs> it's a process.
1: It's yeah. really fun. But I don't think, I mean, it is trendy right now, but I don't think people are falling in love with it because it's trendy. I think they're falling in love with it because of its
0: qualities. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree with that at all either. So um, a couple questions for you about your own renovation project of your 1952 yeah. home. Um, give me uh, maybe two or three of your biggest um, Remodel components, things that that you've invested heavily, you know in time and money as you've been renovating your home. What are the big ones that you've tackled?
1: Yeah well, the first big task I took on, it wasn't very expensive and it wasn't a huge change was just to paint the house. Um, but it was necessary because it was peeling paint and it was lead and it was getting into the yard, and it was kind of a gross color in my opinion. It was not a it was a bad version of mint green. Um, So that actually took me my first fall and then spring was just to, I did it myself, scraped and painted the house uh, with some help from my dad, although he broke his foot right at the beginning of the process, so he was less help than he wanted to be. (laughs) Really impressed on me the value of a one-story house, not that everyone needs to DIY their own scrape and paint job, but I couldn't have done it any higher than, uh, on the ladders and system that I created to get up to the top of the gable ends. Right. So that may, it felt like a big change. It wasn't a really, it wasn't a design change. Um, the next thing I tackled was the basement and that it had been, it was sold as a finished basement. It had sort of, um, linoleum tile on the floor, wood panel walls and uh, an acoustic tile drop ceiling, but it had some water issues. It was moldy behind the walls. The wiring was not to code and the layout was really awkward. So I ended up stripping it back down to the walls and structure and building it back up, which was a huge investment of time and energy. I actually cut, well, I had a contractor cut the hole in the basement wall, but my dad and I built a retaining wall, a window well to create a legal basement Uh, a legal bedroom in the basement. Yeah. And then there's a den space, and we actually also added, we, um, again, had someone jackhammer up the floor and lay the pipes, but then we concreted back over to create um, plumbing for a new three-quarter bath in the basement. Okay. Um, So that was a really satisfying project. It's not quite done because the shoemaker's children always go barefoot, and I (laughs) would always um, feel more uh, drawn to like focusing on the next blog post to tell people about mid-century or do the next client project than like getting the trim attached to my doors downstairs (laughs) but now the doors are in so it feels like it's it's sort of working Yeah. Um, and then the third major thing that we've almost finished is attaching the house to the garage there had been a breezeway that separated the house and garage and there was a door from the house out into the breezeway but not actually a door into the breezeway from the garage so you had to go out the overhead garage door to get out of your car and into the house. Right. Very silly. Yeah. Um, so I've attached that with a mudroom, um, in the existing breezeway space, okay. which will, and when that's finished, it'll be a miracle of modern convenience. And <laughs> frankly, not even an idea that was unknown in the mid century period. It was just slightly more high end. Yeah. And, uh, this house was, you know, 1952 wasn't the crush of the post-war building crisis. um, In the houses built before this, before 1950, there were actually rules which said you couldn't have more than two bedrooms. You know, the the Federal Housing Association wouldn't pay for loans for more than that. They were like, no, we need more houses faster. Everyone can ban on additions later. Yeah, yeah. But even in 52, they were still sort of doing everything the minimal way as fast as possible. Yeah. The thing I haven't done yet that I still will do is to reconfigure the kitchen and to open up the living room, basement, stairwell and kitchen to each other okay I love um the, my, my kitchen is a time warp and I actually love that about it but it's one of the things I when I'm thinking about the design of mid-century houses one of the things that really has changed and often needs updating is that the people who live in them are different our lifestyles are different and kitchens were built in the 50s for one person probably mom to do all the prep and basically spend the time cooking in the kitchen and then come out of the kitchen to give food to the family but now every member of a family is in and out of the kitchen people hang out in the kitchen it needs to be more of a social space so I need to reconfigure it such that there's room for an island in this kitchen it'll actually be a peninsula because space is really snug But that will allow people to have more social space. Me and the next people will have more social space in their kitchen area.
0: Yeah. Now, you've touched on a really big point. I think it's a lot um, occupying the minds of a lot of mid-century enthusiasts. Is Like you just stated, the modern-day family has different requirements for the kitchen dining space than they did, you know, 60 years ago. And it is interesting when you talk to preservationists. Um, Or architects or you know new construction remodel folks in fact These were the people that were on our panel when we were down at Palm Springs at modernism week conducting um, Our our event there with Atomic Ranch. This was a big you know point of our conversation and so um, but for your particular project you plan on doing um, a, a standalone island open concept kitchen correct
1: Yes. Now, what I don't mean is that I'm going to create an open plan space where I will remove all walls and structure from the living room, dining room, kitchen area, and there will be no differentiation. But what I do mean is that what I like to think about when renovating a kitchen is when you're working, are you facing a wall or are you facing the room? Yeah. And at this point, there is nowhere to work in the kitchen where you don't have your face. Actually, you can look out the window over the sink, but otherwise you're just like 10 inches away from upper cabinets. Right. And that, I totally understand the preservation and S aspect. I love these cabinets and I know I won't be able to replace them with the same quality, but I think while I would never say like, Oh, let's go into a Frank Woodwright house and give it a modern kitchen. You know, of course I still think for your average family, you need to have a kitchen that works for you. It's such a functional space. It's just, we have just changed the way we live, and we need to update a little bit for modern lifestyle right. within the material language and the sort of design ideas of the mid-century period. So
0: yeah.
1: it will be open to the living room space, but it won't be completely open. There'll be sort of some visual screens so you could look through in certain places, and then other places have privacy for your Pile of dishes in the sink or
0: whatnot. Exactly, which was I a think bit finding a compromise. Yeah, to one hundred percent. I think what we see too often are, are people that lean way heavily in one direction or the other, without knowing that there actually is a good compromise on this conversation. Because the biggest thing that I see in an open concept kitchen, which it sounds like you agree with, is your your kitchen and your dishes always need to be clean and picture perfect as people walk through the front door into your kitchen. Right. And that's not realistic for a, a lot of how people live today. But like you said, the social dynamics of how people live in their homes have changed. And so you have to accommodate it at some level. So can you provide that privacy for a kitchen that's not always picture-perfect clean, but still provide the social aspects of the interaction and the demand for more people in the kitchen? And I think you're right. The answer is yes. Yeah, And
1: it's a challenge you know, in a house of every era. I'm, uh, I'll be working in a non-mid-century home coming up soon. It's a house from the 1910s. And the very first thing that this family has asked me to look into is, um, look, we have a kitchen that was designed for a servant, literally, to you know be completely closed off from everything, prepare food and bring it out to the family. We live in our kitchen. It's too closed off from the rest of our spaces. What can we do? Totally. So this is an issue that is a disconnect between people right now and people at every point in history going yeah. back to life back when, you know, I guess when people lived in a one-room house where the kitchen was the hearth fire and you just spent all of your time in one room. Right. They were doing the same thing. Well, we like a little more technology in our kitchens now. Yeah. But I think, yeah, finding that balance between you don't have to make your kitchen a perfect showpiece. Again, that's sort of the tyranny of, uh, to put a gender on it, housewifery. Um, <laughs> But, you know, householding is, it should be comfortable, it should be easy, it shouldn't be, your house should make your life better and not make you have to work harder.
0: Totally, yeah.
1: And that's what, in many ways, the mid-century houses, the idea behind them was to do just that. But they just didn't have the same sort of uh, culture structure that we have now. So we have to adjust a little bit.
0: Right, totally. Hey, um, another question for you um, about your particular home. So far, as you've lived in it, what is your favorite feature of your home?
1: Um, that's a good question. I think I'm going to pick on a material. I'm going to say wood is my favorite feature, and then I'm going to tell you like five different places that's true. Yeah. Um, I loved, actually, my house is so simple, it has just wood siding. There's, you know, a lot of the mid-century houses will have like a brick or a fieldstone partial wall or an accent wall. No, I'm just wood siding all the way around it. Um, but I did love that because it meant when I wanted to change the color of the house, I could do that without hurting anything. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I painted it gray because I'm a millennial and I love the style. And I also know I have done nothing to hurt someone else's ability to change the house color again because it's wood and it needs to be repainted and maintained. Right. And I haven't changed anything that can't be changed again. Totally. It also has all of this lovely golden sort of that caramel wood pine, uh, trim. And even if I'm changing up spaces, I'm carefully salvaging that and replacing it. And I just love it everywhere it is in the house. Yeah, And I have pretty amazingly in good shape uh, wood floors, which I found under the wall-to-wall carpeting when I moved in. Um, I went over the house with an inspector because it always pays to get the expert. And uh, even as an architect, I totally value that expertise. And he told me something I hadn't known, which was... He just confidently walked into the house and said, oh, there's hardwood under this wall-to-wall. And I said, well, how do you know? And he said, well, the house is 1952. We didn't have wall-to-wall carpet in Wisconsin until
0: 1954.
1: Gotcha. And so I pulled up a corner, and sure enough, it's this gorgeous, honey-toned oak. And um, when we actually did get around to pulling out all of the carpet, I dragooned my dad into helping me we rolled it all up and then pulled up the carpet padding which was stapled down it's an amazing shape I literally just scrubbed it with a sponge and it was good to go No awesome finishing necessary very cool so yeah I mean just people build with simple materials but with such good quality that these houses they do need some maintenance they need some care but they have some lovely features even the most basic of them
0: right so um, let's say at some point in the future you're completely done with your renovation, and the home is in perfect condition. Do you imagine that you're, day. You, Do you imagine you're going to stay in it for a while, or do you think you'll have an itch to sell and buy another property just for the sake of tackling another project?
1: Probably. <laughs> I love this house. I'm so in love with this house. But I did buy it with the intention of making it something of a testing laboratory for myself. Yeah. And honestly, as as modest as it is, it's probably big for me. Unless my family structure were to change, I would probably want to have a smaller home, maybe a two bedroom. And this is three when I bought it and now four with the bedroom I've added to the basement, it should be for a family. <laughs> uh, but I'll probably, when I come to sell it, I'll probably be looking for another ranch in this neighborhood. Yeah, totally. Now the idea of starting over does kind of make me cringe because I know exactly <laughs> how many hours of uh, back-breaking labor went into this place and will yep. before I'm done. But, but, you know, I think... In the future, I might be happy to hire out some more of the work on this one. I really wanted to do as very much of it myself as I could, just to prove it to myself and to experiment, and also, you know, as, a, as I think, particularly as a young woman designer, I often find when I'm talking to contractors, I do have the experience to meet them um, on a good conversational level, but I'm not sure that I always have the confidence to assert myself that way. And the more that I've worked on things myself, the more I've been able to say, I understand how this works. I've done this myself. I've been through the process. And not only do I have the sort of technical background, but I have the practical background to say, okay, I agree with you on this. I disagree with you on this. Let's, let's negotiate. Right. Um, so I found that to be very useful. It's one of the reasons I wanted to take this, this time. It was the original sort of concept behind my, uh, hypothetical
0: sabbatical year, which has grown into a new direction for my life. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, I've got a a few more questions here that I'm hoping we can wrap up real quickly because we've got probably less than than five minutes here to get through these, but um, I still think these are things that we need to know. Um, What is one piece of advice that you'd have for our mid-century enthusiast community who might be currently working on, you know, tackling their own ranch renovation?
1: I would say Steep yourself in the period. Wander around your neighborhood, because if you find one mid-century house, you've probably found a mid-century neighborhood. Ask your neighbors what they've done, what they loved, what they didn't. Look on the internet and focus on the places that seem like yours. You know, it's really fun. I also recommend poring over the pages of Atomic Ranch. But I think the more you can find examples of homes that are like yours, even by... Chatting with your neighbors in their yards or um, when people have home tours. I know you do a wonderful job of making people's houses both on the market and off the market available to people. You can never get better advice than when you talk to someone who's just done it for themselves.
0: Right. Yeah. And um, if someone's, you know, green in this process and trying to figure out, you know, besides Atomic Ranch that does a really good job of highlighting – you know, great California architecture that's not always mm-hmm. accessible to folks that live in, you know, Boise or Madison, Wisconsin, um, where else can we go to find some good resources? Is there anything online or in print that you would suggest?
1: Well, I would say um, Instagram. To a lesser extent, Pinterest. I think Pinterest is great for inspiration, but it it can lend itself more to the sort of HGTV high-end finish quality, but Instagram, while it can be high-produced, is is a great insight into, like, what people are doing right now. Works in progress. Um, and it's wonderful for that kind of what what's similar to my end.
0: Yeah. Inclusion. And, and by the um, way, and would, I'm sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead.
1: I would also say there's there are some, it's not maybe where I would go first, but there are some great histories out there. Um, not how-to, there's not a lot of how to fix up your mid-century ranch, but there are some great books um, about why people were building this way in the period. And I think the more that you can just sort of, I, I mean, my advice is going to be do what I do, which is just think about mid-century modern all day, every day. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> put a Google alert on your, on your uh, Gmail, um, check out everything you've got at your local library. I think... The period really talks to itself. So if you follow one architect, find a local architect that was great during that time period and tour their houses. You know, you'll get inspiration in little ways that you can pull together into your own home.
0: Yeah, great idea. And by the way, you said Instagram, and that's why I was going to ask you. How can people find you on Instagram?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, I am being interested in mid-century modern and from the Midwest. My Instagram account is midmodmidwest, all one word. And then you can also, from there, you can find everything else about me, but you can also find me online at my website, which is midmod-midwest.com.
0: Cool. And are there other one or two Instagram accounts um, that you follow in terms of your suggestion that you are giving for people to follow these accounts that you really like that you think do a good job of highlighting works in progress?
1: Yes. Well, I love yours, although it's more about houses (laughs) at the moment of being sold rather than works in progress. Um, let's see. One of my favorite friend accounts is, um, an interior designer based in Michigan named Aletha, A-L-E-T-H-A. And I believe her Instagram is Aletha dash, I think. Um, and she also, she talks about her own home and she talks about her clients projects in really useful ways. Cool. See off the top of my head. Yeah. I think if you put in. If you just go to Instagram and put in the hashtag mid-century modern or you know, mid-century living room, mid-century fill-in-the-blank, you'll yeah. find people who are doing things. And you can just totally. start poking around and get inspired for what talks to you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Hey, one last totally random question to end our show. What musical artist do you currently have on repeat and why?
1: interesting I I always have a hard time with this I used to listen to purely classical music as a child I studied the violin from seven but um, now I am running a small business and it keeps me on my toes so I tend to listen to a lot of girl power music to keep myself pumped up Kesha Sia Beyonce I think my favorite right now is Lizzo. Okay. Um, probably my favorite song is "Good as Hell." It just I put that on, and then I just sort of can power through, work late into the night, or get up early and get yep. started.
0: Yeah, and that's your why. So very cool. Hey, yep. thanks for spending some time with us on the call today and on our podcast. I think that we covered a lot of information there that will be really handy to a lot of our listeners. And so, thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. And we hope that you stick with us. Uh, we've got a list of probably forty-two other people that we've identified that we think will be equally interesting. And so stay tuned, look forward to more, and we appreciate you tuning in. Till next time. This is TJ with Mid-Century Homes. Have a great day.